0: So let me tell you about something, because there was uh, I was like just going through movies this weekend and just trying to find something to watch, just like being bored or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I started. We almost watched The Matrix, and then I was like, The Matrix was like was good, but The Matrix Reloaded was like awesome. Do you remember the Matrix? Is that Reloaded? the second one? The second one. Okay, yeah, because yeah. the third
1: one was the letdown for people. Yeah,
0: no, so, and I didn't realize that they were let out in the same year. Do you know that? Like, the oh Matrix, no, I had no clue. The Matrix Reloaded came out in like May 2003, and then The Matrix Revolutions came out in October 2003.
1: See, I was like in fifth and sixth grade at the time, so I know my mom would not let me watch those. <laughs>
0: right, I remember it was a big deal even getting to go see the Matrix mm-hmm. um, or The Matrix Reloaded. And it was just, like, a fantastic movie in general. Because The Matrix, again, it was just kind of like, this is a cool concept. And they had, like, these cool things going on. And this guy, that can, like, stop time. Um, But then Reloaded, it was, like, the scene on the highway when the trucks crash together. It was um, Neo's flying all these different places. And the Oracle. And it was just, like, yo, this is such a crazy movie. This is so awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, So, anyway, so it was just a fantastic movie. And then I started looking around and realizing that The Matrix has, like, a lot of black people. Like, yeah, just, it does. And like it's just and like people in like really important roles. Not just like kind of random person, but it was like people in very important roles that had a lot of things to do with the plot line. Mm-hmm. Um were all black in The Matrix. Like besides Neo and Trinity, like every other important role was like a black person. I guess Mr. Anderson.
1: No, but, Mr. Anderson, it was Neo. You mean Mr. Smith, I think. Mr. Smith, yeah. Yeah, Agent right. Smith. Yeah um but like
0: i was just like looking around like yo wait a second and i realized that like so morpheus obviously black right Mm. naomi who was jada pinkett smith um or jada pinkett smith was naomi she was Mm. black both her old interest and her new interest as far as like love interest were both black ballard who was like one of the chief uh soldiers in zion black guy Mm-hmm. Commander Locke, um, who was over in, um, what's it called? Like, kind of on, like, the Zion side, like, letting people in and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. He was black. Mosser, played by Christopher Kirby, black. The Zion controller, black. Cass, who was, uh, oh, no, sorry. Cass, who was, yes, she was black. But Link, um, the guy that, like, you know, Flew the ship
1: and, like, got them in and out of the Matrix. Another
0: black guy. His mm-hmm. wife, his kids, all black.
1: The oracle, the freaking oracle
0: that knows everything about the entire universe, black. Something about the oracle (laughs) is,
1: I don't know which movie it was. It was either after the first or the second, but the original oracle died, like in real life. So they had to replace her with someone else. Oh, oh, wait,
0: I think it was, I think it was between
1: the second and the third. I remember the third one. Yeah. They talked about how she got like a different body. Right. Like that was their write off for Mm -hmm. our actress died. So we had to get someone else to play her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I believe, uh, what was it? Like, whatever was the important thing that they had to protect that was throughout the second one that mm-hmm. ended up being the one that rewrote the Matrix at the end of the third. Right. I believe she was Latinx. Yes. hmm. Yeah. It was just like, yo,
0: like, this is, this is Black Panther before Black Panther was Black Panther.
1: Kinda. Expect- no, no, no. Let me tell you why. No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> okay. I, I know why you want to, but I got a good reason why it's not.
0: Okay. Well, this is the reason I'm saying why it should be, because this is this is what would have made a difference if Will Smith had taken the role of Neo, like mm-hmm. he was supposed to. Mm-hmm. Then- I saw the video. <laughs> exactly. He would have been Neo. Um, J. D. Pinkett Smith would have been Trinity and whatever whoever the white woman that played trinity was in like the actual matrix she would have played Jada pinkett smith's role and Mm. would have just been kind of like a side character or whatever but had an all-black cast black you know whatever it was um main character who was the one they're all fighting like the agent of like the government system that's all old white guys Mm. like this this is this is the original black panther
1: but it's not keep going because the main character and the guy who saved the day is a white man.
0: Yeah, but what I'm saying is that like it could have been.
1: But it's not.
0: Okay, but it's still closer there, than you realize.
1: There's a lot of black people that were included in the making of it in the same way that Black Panther was. Yeah. But as and... far as premise for it goes, no. Because Black <laughs> Panther was black people saving the day. Yes, yes. Where there is one white guy that helped. Right. Whereas in this, it's you got a white guy that's saving the day and a white woman that's also like there as being like the secondary in saving the day mm-hmm. it's still white people being the saviors it is
0: but there's still just more black people than i imagined inside the matrix when i first watched matrix i didn't think it was like this is like a black ass movie mm-hmm. i was just kind of like this is a cool movie you know cool concept or whatever but then when
1: you watch it again and you're looking for the black people they're everywhere mm-hmm. except for in the matrix mostly white people
0: Yes, but in, like, the real life, the people that actually survived, the people that know what's really going on, that's fighting, like, the corrupt system of the Matrix, black people.
1: Isn't that just because black people are more woke than white people? More
0: woke. That's That was <laughs> the criteria for how to get out the Matrix. Mm-hmm.
1: Because you had to wake up out of the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Welcome everyone to the Fairpoint Podcast. This is your host Daniel Fairley II and our producer Bertram Zeke. Hello. We're gonna get into it now. Well, first, <laughs> let's talk like social media and email. That's what I was gonna do. I was okay. gonna get it. That's, I thought, thought like you were saying let's get into it. into it now. I was like let's get into the topics. No, no, the topics are our social media. Huh. <laughs>
2: it's not okay, but. okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh you can follow us on instagram at the fairpoint podcast as well as twitter the fairpoint pod um oh and email us at the fairpoint podcast at gmail.com
1: and if you want to find all the platforms that you can listen to us on which you should hit subscribe or whatever button it is on the sites yeah do it honestly. yes yes because then you'll be able to get this episode when it comes out these episodes when they come out and that will be on spotify apple Google Play, Stitcher, YouTube, and our host site, which is Castos. Boom. Yeah. Rolling right into it. That was
0: the fastest we've ever done the intro. Yes. Thanks for not messing up.
1: (laughs) Come on! (laughs) It's just like high energy. Drop. (laughs) Okay.
0: Okay. So uh, first, I don't know, state of affairs, if you will. Um state
1: of affairs is the state of
0: emergency. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly.
1: Um, so Trump
0: did end up signing the... Uh, what I'm looking for is government funding bill. There we go. Mm-hmm. Um, with a caveat that he was going to also declare a state of emergency to get the border wall funding that he had been asking for, which is just really annoying and stupid. Because mm-hmm. again, there are like literally hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people that have been affected by... 35 days of the government being shut down and you literally took less money than the original amount that was offered to you mm-hmm. for border wall funding and you still didn't get what you wanted and you declared a state of emergency that you know you're going to get sued for mm-hmm. anyways. So anyways, so, so let's, let's, I'm just going to go just read through some things. Um, so the state of emergency in general was tweeted out or at least like the, the, the pre declaration of state of emergency, was tweeted out by Sarah Frickin Sanders using the Notes app. Now, if you're unfamiliar, the Notes app is what I'm using to scroll on right now on my iPhone as I'm reading off some of the things that are involved in our podcast. You know, it's like a general, like, hey, take some notes. I need to remember to get bananas today. Um, And yet, this is what the most sophisticated system of press and media in the entire nation really the world that has to offer, just like they decided this is how I want to release this information. I want to screenshot Mm. a notes app quoting myself.
1: Not like any (laughs) letter that has like the header
0: of. Not like the white house official press release. Anything that you know is guaranteed to get you news because you have contracts with all the news stations. You literally went onto your phone, screenshot a notes app, which is the same thing that's been used by Ariana Grande for licking a donut. Mm-hmm. use a notes app to apologize for that. Kendall Jenner for putting out offensive t-shirts. Logan Paul, when he made that weird video about seeing a dead person inside the Japanese uh, suicide, suicide forest. forest. like all of this. like th- this is like the celebrity apologize app plus groceries. Like that's what it's being used for. Like when you say the word like iOS press release, it's a joke. It's like, a, this mm-hmm. is really stupid. And this is what celebrities use to apologize for offensive stuff that they've done mm-hmm. and you, in you and the White House freaking press corps. Like, the White House, White House press office decided that this is what you wanted to use to declare a national state of emergency.
1: It reminds me of that video that came out of, who was it, Jim Acosta, uh-huh. at that press meeting where they're, like, she shared this video of, like, him chopping the intern's arm, where yes. it was, like, like bad quality. Like, it might have been edited. It might have just been, like, the quality was downgraded to the point that it looks like it was more, it was like, like, harsh than it was. weirdly,
0: like, sped up in, like, the chop part, but, like, slowed down beforehand. It was, like, some yeah,
1: weird stuff. and Yeah, and she... <laughs> like retweeted it from some outside source when she's like literally works in the white house as access to the actual footage of it. And it's just like, yeah. And it's just like, no, I'm going to retweet it from the source because it looks like this way. It's just like, this is the most unofficial way that you can do this. (laughs) And from what you said, like this is the celebrity apology app. Yeah. Notes app. Like, that just goes back to the fact that we hired a celebrity. We didn't hire a president. We didn't hire somebody fit for the job. We hired a celebrity.
0: That's so very true.
1: Oh, and we're recording this on President's Day. And uh, oh. that does not go to Trump. Mm. I Honestly, I don't. Th- I don't think it should go to many presidents. Anyway. I know
0: someone said forty-four out of forty-five. I was like, mm, we should maybe scale that number down some. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I think, I think at most I can give ten. <laughs> right. I anyway, mean, like, you really got to start, you know, going like, through some history. Like we always talk about, how FDR is great, but mm-hmm. we don't know his stances on racism <laughs> because we don't talk about it. <laughs> But Jim Crow was happening during that time. You know,
0: there's some questions. Yes. Uh, and then, okay, so going back to this freaking notes app. So the part that really bugs me. So I'm just a person that notices everything. Is that did you notice that like when you, whenever you try to like screenshot on your iPhone, right? It'll come up. It'll screenshot, and then it now goes into the corners like a small part. Mm-hmm. You can then, if you click on that, as you try to like the the default pen or whatever it is that you use to, like, edit the app mm-hmm. um, is, like, the actual little marker, right? So, mm-hmm. like, if you press the screen, like, just to tap it to, like, basically make sure that you're clicking on the screen, mm-hmm. that's what leaves, like, a little dot there, and what you have to do is you press undo, and then you have to go click into crop, and then crop it down.
1: Yeah, to, like, take out your battery power percentage, right. who your provider Ooh. is, what time. Exactly. But
0: they didn't do that. They just left the dot there from the from the mistake that they made when they freaking cropped a notes app to declare a natural state of emergency. And so, like, you're even bringing like, unprofessional in, like, the most unprofessional way. Mm-hmm. I just, how... How are you the head of the White House press?
1: Yes, if you if you have a typo on a resume, you might not even get the job just if <laughs> find the the typo, and it's like right
0: there, it's really obvious. Like there's a mm. dot there, and you like you're looking at this and you couldn't figure out how do I get this dot off, mm. or even if after you saw, I don't even know. Like it's just like what is the
1: qualification God. to work in the White House now? <laughs> Clearly nothing.
0: Clearly, and it might have even been an intern, although I don't even think so because. No, none of my friends had, like, any access to, um, Josh, uh, no,
1: Josh,
0: uh, Josh Ernest. Um, that was the press secretary at the time. None of us had, like, access to, like, his phone or, like, was able to tweet stuff out for him. So this was definitely Sarah Huckabee Sanders. I feel like this.
1: most of the Trump administration should not have access to their phones. <laughs> Or Fox News. They should just work with actual information that's given to them.
0: Oh, my God. And honestly, they just make up numbers anyways. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so the note says, President Trump will be signing a government funding bill. And as he stated before, he will also take take other executive action, including a national emergency, to ensure we stop the national security crisis and humanitarian crisis. At the border. The president is once again delivering upon his promise to build the wall, protect the border, and secure our great country. Sarah Sanders. Tweeted out by Sarah Sanders. At Sarah Sanders. <laughs>
1: Just like we get it. It's Sarah
0: Sanders. It's like, we get who you are. Okay. Honestly, Chill. you don't you don't need to sign it. Oh my god. Ugh. Ugh. Okay, um, so this is also, I don't know if you know this, but this is actually the first time the president has declared a state of emergency after Congress explicitly denied the president's request for funding. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, like people know that, and even Trump knows that he's going to be sued. He said in his press conference, you know, insert press conference clip here.
3: So the, uh, the order is signed, and uh, I'll f- sign the final papers as soon as I get into the Oval Office. And we will have a national emergency. And we will then be sued. And they will sue us in the Ninth Circuit, uh, even though it shouldn't be there. And we will possibly get a bad ruling. And then we'll get another bad ruling. And then we'll end up in the Supreme Court. And hopefully we'll get a fair shake. And we'll win in the Supreme Court, just like the ban they sued us in the ninth circuit and we lost and then we lost in the appellate division but, <laughs> and then we went to the Supreme At that, court, that
0: press conference he talked about gone. like being sued, going through like the certain courts and what they were going to we're going to sue by the fifth court and then the seventh court and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um but like this is the first time. So it's really weird. It's like uncharted territory because again, this is people know that like these are the ar- through the article 1 of the Constitution. This gave Congress the power of the purse, right? This gave them the opportunity to make budgets for the government. And so the, the president usurping that to fulfill his own promises over a manufacturing emergency, which again how is it an emergency if it's been years? Like you started you started promising this border wall two and a half, three years ago, mm-hmm. and only now when you don't get your way, is it a national emergency?
1: The only thing I would say in any of this was a natural, uh, national emergency is Hundreds of thousands of people not getting paid because the government shut down. That would be a national emergency. And do you me. know what
0: is crazy is that they didn't even they could have put inside the funding bill. Right. For the people that weren't paid, all of the contractors that weren't paid for the government, which, again, are lots of low income, um, like people with disabilities, people that just don't have an opportunity that need to work for the government through contracting services for, you know, being a janitor or working the White House grounds or whatever. Like they could have put funding in the bill in the government funding bill to then pay all these people back. And the president said it was going to cost too much. He said, no, we can't do that. It's going to cost too much money. I can't pay for these people to get their back pay on their money. Because he knows that it wasn't Wall Street bankers that were getting, you know what I mean? Like, it mm. was, these were people that he had, he had no obligation to give money to that he didn't care about because he didn't care if they voted for him or not, because they're not putting money in his pocket. And so he would rather just not pay them, you know what I mean, Then and this wasn't for like any real reason. It was just like, I don't feel like paying them.
1: Well, that's what Trump does with contractors. Like, there that's are people there are he people that, that came story. out, like, during his campaign that had stories mm-hmm. just like, he asked me to build this golf course for him, like, build, like, the clubhouse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I did it. And then when it came time to pay, he lawyered up. Yeah. And I got stuck with the bill, and I had to run out of business because of it. And that's exactly what he also did with Puerto Rico. They have, yep. like, their millions in debt that they had to pay off, and people are acting like, well, that's their problem. It's like, no, Trump stuck them with that.
0: Yeah. Like, honestly. And he's in and the, the crazy thing is that the money that he's taking out to, in order to pay for the border wall is taking away emergency funding from California and Puerto Rico to build this wall.
1: That's your president.
0: Oh, no, <laughs>
1: no. I do not say credit for this man. But it's also crazy because isn't the amount that he was given just for like 55 miles of wall?
0: Yeah, that was the original. That was like it was, and it wasn't even for a wall. It was for like pedestrian fencing, is what it what it was called. Um, That's what the one point whatever billion dollars.
1: To which, if you think about how distance works, and then you look at a U.S. map, I know fifty five is
0: nothing. It's not at all. There's two thousand miles along the border, many of which is like you know mountains and rivers and stuff that are like hard to cross, anyways. But Hmm. yeah, it's just. God, this is just so annoying, um, and I'm really tired of talking about his wall and him literally violating the Constitution multiple times in order to get things done. It's just like I, you have to at some point realize that like every time you take a legislative action, or every time you take an action as a president, and it gets sued, like mm-hmm. and you have to go through the courts in order to like have this action approved like you have to realize like wait a second maybe i'm not doing something right here mm-hmm. maybe when i said ban all muslims and then i instituted a travel ban like maybe that was unconstitutional maybe when i um you know try to pass a budget that didn't work so then i use my own presidential power to then create a crisis that there's literally no backing for mm-hmm. like there's just there, you just can't find the evidence for it and I decided to do that. And then they're taking money away. $3.6 billion is going away from the Department of Defense military construction budget, which is going, again, towards places like um, Paris Island over in South Carolina and other places that were like devastated through hurricanes. Mm-hmm. That they have to rebuild parts of that. They're taking money away from that to put it on, onto this wall. They're taking money away. $2.5 billion from the military's drug interjection program because they're saying that this is going to help stop drugs more
1: yeah no no
0: (laughs) definitely not no because drug cartel members are gonna like have drugs in their hand just big old you know get to the wall oh got to the wall man looks like you can't make it
1: all right gotta turn around it's like i might have to call my connect so i could throw it over but (laughs) even then i don't know if i'm gonna get the money back (laughs)
0: And again, you can even, because they have to see through the wall, so you can just pass it through the slots. And that's not even how drug works. That's not even, literally, that's not how drugs
1: get into the United States.
0: Mm. That's you, just not how it
1: works. Yeah, even with, like, the slants that are being experimented on, like, they experimented it and it turns out you can saw through them. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, not going to work out very well, because if someone really wants to get through, and they got a saw, yeah, they can get through with their saw.
0: And with no problem at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, we want to spend money on this because people think that this is how you're going to keep people out. Mm-hmm. Like they think that this is the way that immigration works. It's not by planes, not by overextended visas. That's not like they think that this wall. That there are just people just running through the wall like a flood through a dam, and that we just need to plug the dam and that's it. Our immigration mm-hmm. problem will be solved.
1: Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. I think. The best thing that we need to do is talk to Europe and be like, hey, you're, you guys surround each other. We just have one on each side. How does it go with your immigration?
0: Right, exactly. And we're not even really concerned about the brown people. Mm-hmm. We're right. not concerned about the white
1: Canadians up north. No, no we're
0: not. God, this freaking guy. Um, but that's what it is right now. He's going to get sued. They already have plans to sue him before he even declared the state of emergency, just saying like, if you declare this, we will sue you. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's going to be happening. I, I just, I just hope that this, this just goes through the court system and people understand that like, this is not how the presidency works. Mm -hmm. Even if Obama did this for Medicare for all, or for some other promise that he had to like people like, that voted for him Mm -hmm. like this is still like usurping power this is how like fascism starts right this is how a dictatorship starts when you have people that are breaking away all the norms you have people that are disregarding the press as a not true source tain don't believe the press don't believe you know are you going to believe them or your lying eyes right Mm -hmm. like are you how can you believe something that is constantly berated and taken down from the highest power and the highest nation the highest you know place in the land. Um, So you take away all of those different systems that people have learned to just come to know as truth. Sure, they make mistakes, but they're still, on the whole, trying to tell the truth. Mm -hmm. Um, But you take away all those systems that people understand to be, like, true telling systems and that are going to be able to be objectively um, giving information to the public, take away those norms, take away just the presidential norms of giving out your taxes or... Um, you know, going to the White House press correspondence dinner or or just other things where you're just like, there are smaller, um, smaller issues, but you just try to like take away these different norms to then be able to then do bigger things like declare a national state of emergency over a Mm non-emergency or like, you know what I mean? Like there that's, you're trying to take away these systems, so that way, when it comes up, and he's talked about it before, oh man, like, you know, I think it was, wasn't it FDR that was president for 14 years? Who was it?
1: Yeah, it was FDR. Um, After him, that's when they decided to put the term limits in.
0: Right, exactly. Um, and so, like, when you have, when he's talked about that before, being like, I mean, FDR was president for 14
1: years, why can't I, you know? Because they thought they were so good <laughs> as president, they didn't want anybody to get anywhere close. Right. Actually, I don't think it was 14. I think it was... Like eleven, but it was supposed to be twelve. Like he got into Mm -hmm. a third term and then died, like right before it ended. We're gonna fact check this. I know he he might have entered into his fourth term and then died at the beginning. There was like he died like either early on or very late on in the third or fourth. Mm -hmm. So he was
0: president from March fourth, nineteen thirty three, to April twelfth, nineteen forty five. That's about, like, 12 years. Yeah. Um, So
1: I think he got elected for a fourth time, then died, like, later that year.
0: mm Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, well, it says... In 1940, he won the election for his third term. Four years later, in 1944, he ran again to become the only president elected to a fourth fourth
1: term. Um, So then, yeah, he died, like... Right. ...pretty soon after that. Exactly. Um, From a...
0: Nope, hemorrhagic stroke. I don't know what that is.
1: Probably a stroke brought on by a ble- bleeding on the brain. That's what I would think. Well then. But yeah, reasons why Trump will not get elected for as many terms as uh, FDR. FDR. One, there's been a law put in place after FDR. I know. Two, we don't want to vote for you. <laughs>
0: And yet we have people... I mean, like, people will... I've heard this a lot, and I'm, like, starting to understand more and more about why having someone like Howard Schultz would be detrimental and, like, would help Trump's chances in order to get elected.
1: Oh, yeah. He's the guy that's running, like, independent. That's the Starbucks. Yes. Howard Schultz is a guy that's running... uh, He was
0: a former Starbucks CEO that's, Mm. like, toying with running for president. He said that he won't run for president... If the government elects... Not the government. If the Democratic Party elects a centrist candidate, then he won't run for president, which is what he's trying to be. He's trying to be this, like, so- socially liberal, fiscal conservative guy that's not really putting out, like, conservative policies. He's more mm-hmm. just, like, taking down the Democratic Party and taking down Democratic candidates, talking bad about the New Deal, talking bad about Medicare for All, saying it's going to cost too much. And none of this is helping, like him win. None of this is helping the Democratic Party win. It's just going to take away votes. If he decides to run, mm-hmm. that's just going to be another... It's going to be a large third-party contender that's going to take away bo- votes from both sides in order to... He's never... There's no way. There's no possible way that he can win. He mm. would just take away votes. He's just going to be a distraction. Exactly. Um, and so just to have this idea that like he would run for president, that's just going to make the odds of Donald Trump becoming president more plausible. Mm-hmm. Because when you have third, large third-party people, just like... In Minnesota, Wisconsin, uh, Pennsylvania, right? In those places, there were large third-party contenders that took away votes that then allowed for Trump to win those states. Mm-hmm. Sure, Hillary didn't visit those states. And, right, you know what I mean? I think she visited Philadelphia, I want to say. But, like, you know, there's, there's so many different factors, and, like, adding Howard Schultz into it is just going to be a horrible idea Yeah, um, that's just going to make it more and more likely that Trump's going to get elected. hmm
1: Yeah. Also, did you hear about the two rallies that happened at El Paso?
0: Oh, the one with Trump and the one with Beto. Beto, Mm
1: -hmm. Robert. (laughs) Yeah. And it's interesting because El Paso is like an on-the-border city. Right. Right. And apparently Trump had, well, the place he was at had a capacity of like Mm 6,500, but he wanted to claim that he had more, of course. Why not? And then he also put a claim at his rally that uh, O'Rourke only had like 200 to 300 people. But in actuality, he had like (laughs) 15,000. Oh, my God. (laughs) So I feel like seeing that there's that many people that came out in Mm -hmm. El Paso, Texas Mm -hmm. to his rally. Right. Kind of shows how people like on the border, at least in El Paso, feel more of Mm -hmm. about this wall. Right. It's not going to help
0: anything. It's Mm -hmm. literally just going to hurt people. And cost the United States money. Yeah. Trump tried to peddle some BS talking about, oh, yeah, did you know that the wall's going to pay for itself? How? How is this wall going to pay for itself?
1: Yeah, it doesn't. And also, I saw Ted Cruz try to, like, do this whole thing. It's like, hey, El Chapo was sentenced. Let's make him pay for it. (laughs) Just like, what? (laughs) Do you all have
0: any idea how government works? Clearly
1: not. No, I don't think so. Oh, and fun fact: Did you know that uh, O'Rourke went to school here in Charlesville? Really? Yeah, they had like like a private school here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know which one. I forget. Okay, there was some school here in Charlesville where it was he went to school, and he actually went by Robert during that time to try and not stand out as much. And that's when he realized he still stood out anyway; like he just didn't fit in. Oh, so I he think ca- I did see that. And then he kind of became like friends with the people that were like more of the outcasts in the school. And that's where he got into everything that he is in today.
0: Hmm. Oh, he went to Woodbury forest school in Madison County.
1: Oh, Madison. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: It's so not Charlottesville. No, but it was close. Hmm. Um, yeah. And that's where it talks about him going by Beto, which is, so his family gave him the nickname Beto, uh, a common Spanish nickname for names, for first names Indian and Berto, uh, initially to distinguish him from his namesake for his grandfather.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, cool. So, so, you want to talk about uh, copyright with dances? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so for a little backstory, there's this game out there called Fortnite, and Fortnite has a lot of what's called emotes, which are often dances. So you have all these different dances that happen, and they originate from somewhere. And there's been a complaint that people that created these dances have not been getting their recognition.
0: Right, like
1: uh, Bobby Schmerta. Bobby Smirda wasn't in there.
0: I thought, well, who's the guy that? Oh, never mind. I'm thinking not Bob Bobby Smirda. I'm thinking of the Millie Rock guy. Yeah, two Millie, two Millie. Yeah, I know rappers.
1: I, <laughs> see, I know that you're a big fan of Chance, and Chance yes. was actually a very vocal person about yeah. hey give recognition you're just taking from black culture like has been done done forever mm-hmm. because the one thing that was with it was two millie likes having his dance in the game the millie rock right but the thing about it was they completely changed the name to swipe it exactly and not giving him his recognition like he didn't actually even care about getting any type of money from it mm. he was just like hey can i get my recognition because mm-hmm. that's my dance right and so, because they was just listed as swipe, and he wasn't getting his recognition, he decided to sue Epic Games, the creator of Fortnite. Mm-hmm. Did he won that, right? No. Oh, okay. I actually haven't heard anything about what happened with that. Mm. But there has been th- other people that have come up. One is Alfonso Ribiera, who is known as Carlton Banks from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. The Carlton Dance, which he is famous for, is in the game. And it's listed as Fresh, is the name of it. <laughs> That's a little... That's
0: kind of funny. Yeah. You go back from you know from people like not having anything to do like whatever swipe it is, but not having mm-hmm. anything to do with uh, two Millie. Yeah, then you have like fresh from the fresh prince prince of bel air. Yeah,
1: and then you have other people like uh, backpack kid, who's known a whose real name is Russell Horning, mm-hmm. and he has this move called flossing that he became famous for, where you just swing your fists back and forth.
0: I still can't do it.
1: I can't either. I've tried
0: so hard. My little brother tried to teach me and it it didn't work.
1: (laughs) And it's literally in the game as flossing. But he's like, can I get money for this though? Mm -hmm. Because he claims ownership of it. And then you also have a few other people. One is John Heater who plays Napoleon Dynamite. The dance that he did at the end of Napoleon Dynamite is in the game and it's called Groove Jam. Hmm. Uh, Donald uh, Fison, who played the character of... Uh, Chris Turk on Scrubs. His dance is in there. Mm -hmm. And then there's also one other notable one uh, known as Orange Justice, which is done by somebody that's just known as the Orange Shirt Kid. Okay. (laughs) What does the Orange Justice one look like? Uh, That's basically where it's like flipping back and forth while bending down. Oh. So that's referred to as Orange Justice. That one I can do. I did not know it was called Orange Justice, though. So out of all the people I just named... Four people have sued Epic Games, Mm -hmm. one being Two Millie for recognition, one being Alfonso Ribiera wanting to get paid from the Carlton dance, one from Backpack Kid for wanting to get paid from it, Mm -hmm. and then Orange Shirt Kid's mother wanting to get paid for Orange Justice. Mm. And so far, well, one that can instantly be thrown out is the Orange Shirt Kid's (laughs) Orange Justice. Okay. Because the way that that one got in the game was they asked people to create dances, to send them in, and he won a contest of uh, Epic Games to have it in the game. So his mother doesn't have a case because right. it was submitted to be that in the game.
0: Yeah, yeah. So they they probably they already won money then for it, right? I'm guessing if they, or was the. Prize. I think it was
1: just like a submission thing. I was just like, hey, you'll get in the game. And because like people uh, know, like, well, that'd be if, cool. Yeah. There are people that like know, just like, hey, this was created by this kid in his bedroom that's like eight years old. Right.
0: Yeah. That'd be a cool recognition. Okay.
1: Yeah. And then a uh, backpack kid, he became he became famous on Instagram, but then got picked up by Katy Perry and became well known for performing on SNL, uh, doing the floss. Mm-hmm. And then it got picked up by Fortnite and. Uh, yeah, he's suing for rights for that, but people have gone back and found that before he ever did it for the first time on his Inst- Instagram,
2: mm-hmm.
1: other people have done that move. Oh, I didn't know that. So people are saying, sorry, Backpack Kid, you can't get money from this because it's not your original creation. Oh, wow. And then that brings us to, like I said, I don't know what happened to 2 million. That brings us to Alfonso Ribiera, mm-hmm. who created the Carlton dance. And apparently the trademark company said you cannot trademark that dance. That dance or any dance? His dance. Interesting. Because apparently how it is is when it comes to the dances, if it's like one set of movement, it can't be copyrighted. It would have to be a complex combination of different movements in order for it to be copyrighted. (laughs) So since (laughs) his is just like swinging his arms and like moving his legs, that's considered one movement. Okay. <laughs> so it's considered, like, uh, free for the public to use. Wow. So 2 Millie probably does not have a case either, because his is just considered swiping, which is just one move. It's just you do it from side to side.
0: Yeah. Gosh, this is, like, complex. I feel like anything could be... Because that's, like, what, like, a dance is if you're trying to, like... You know what I mean? Like, mm. even, like, the... I don't know. think thinking about, like, the worm or, like the snap your fingers or, you know, you
1: you can do it all by yourself.
0: Right. You know what I mean? Like those with those ones or like, uh, the usher video. When, uh, if you like watch the yeah video, but you watch like the B T one where it's like, do the a town stop. Right. Mm. Like all of those are just like repetitive moves. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's no dance that like, you're not going to give someone some complex choreography and be like, (laughs) everyone do this thing, you know?
1: Yeah. Where it's like, I guess doing these individual moves, they're all considered to be free reign for people to use. But then you have something like Beyonce's single ladies, the combination of different moves together. If someone were to do them in secession, mm-hmm. if she wanted to, she'd hit them with copyright. Beyonce wouldn't do that okay. unless somebody's like really, really trying to make money off of it and right. it was their own. But like if someone were to do all that, she could be like, That's mine. Here's my proof, the single right. ladies video. Right. And then they would be like, Okay, yeah. You have something there.
0: So it has to be like a full choreography of like the hand waving and then like the uh-oh. uh, uh oh. like, Yeah, it would so have to
1: be like the combination of the moves. But those
0: individual moves themselves would not be able to be copyrighted.
1: No. So the reason why I brought the other two people, uh, the guy who plays Chris Turk from Scrubs and uh, Napoleon Dynamite for his dance. Right is, well, I remember seeing a video on this from this channel called Game Theory because they wanted to go through whether or not there are actually lawsuits in here. Hmm. And so that these are the only two dances that actually have a chance in court. Whoa. As a matter of fact, uh, Donald, who plays uh, Turk, said that he hasn't seen a single scent from the dance. Hmm. And his thing is like a combination of the running man, a clap, and like a whole bunch of different moves. Mm-hmm. So it's this complex combination. And they actually copy it Exactly for the game. Oh. So if he wanted to sue, he could actually probably win. And as for uh, the Napoleon Dynamite dance, like they kind of cut different moves in a row because it's a long dance and yeah. you have just the more notable moves. But uh yeah, like the moves that are used, like in secession, they're the exact same moves that were done for Napoleon Dynamite. So probably the person that has the strongest chance out of everybody is uh Donald uh Faison. Uh, from Scrubs. Okay. So if he wanted to sue, he probably actually would have a chance. But everybody else, because it comes down to, except for Napoleon Dynamite, with everybody else, it comes down to, like, one set of movement. Mm. They wouldn't have a chance. I really don't like copyright law. Yeah. There's, like, a lot of things that's just, like, too complex and things that just make things more difficult than they need to be.
0: Right, exactly. And, And I get, like, it's kind of hard. I mean, like, you have to have some standards i guess or some line that needs to be drawn in order for people to understand that this is this is able to be copyrighted and this is not but sometimes i feel like the lines are pretty arbitrary Mm -hmm.
1: like uh there's a a rapper that came out with a song this past year i think his name is juice world he came out he came out with a song called lucid dreams okay and it was he actually got sued by sting Hmm. because it sampled the song called the shape of my heart by sting and he didn't know about that. He just got the beat from a producer. Right. And so Sting sued and won to the point that he gets 80% of the royalties. Mm. Because it it samples his song like directly. Mm-hmm. So which people, some people got rather upset about that. But that's part of copyright law where it is. You used my song. You didn't give me recognition. You didn't talk to me about using royalties. Okay. So you don't. Like, have the right to say this is your song and you get all the royalties. Like, where's my cut? Matter of fact, uh, for if you know, you know, um, the person that ends up being done on this, she got a nomination for a Grammy because she was put down as a writer for the song, uh, The Story of OJ by Jay Z.
0: Oh, because she is Strange Fruit, Mm -hmm. right? Oh, no, no, not Strange
1: Fruit for women, for women is the name of the song that was used. Okay,
0: okay. She does do strange fruit as well. But yeah, four yeah, women yeah.
1: is the one. Okay. Right. Yeah, Kanye did blood on the leaves using strange fruit. That's what it was. Mm. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's interesting because mm. this person also is famous for doing a lot of covers of different songs. I guess I'll just drop the name down. It's It's, right. it's Nina Simone. <laughs> if you yeah. couldn't guess already. Yeah. So like, she's known ver- like very well for having doing strange fruit, who, mm-hmm. which was originally done by Billie Holiday. She's known pretty well for having done um, feeling good which Michael Buble has also done, oh. but she is not the original like singer of that song either. Like She's known for having done a lot of covers. She's written some of her own work, but she's mm. also known for covers. Mm. But there's also recognition that needs to come with those covers having yeah. been done. So you don't want somebody to just straight up steal your product and then monopolize off of it.
0: Right. And so is that like... That again, I guess, goes into different parts of copyright law as far as doing covers and that being different. So it's, Do you still have to... Like, people do acoustic covers all the time. Mm. So with that, do you still need to say... Because they'll name them the same thing, right? So be, people yeah. know, like, oh, this is an acoustic cover of... God, remember when people did, um... Oh, God. Beyonce's song. When they Was it just, like... it Was it Lemonade? It was the song... When it was like, uh... You mix that Negro with that Creole, get it, Texas, Bama. Oh, yeah, 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 um, Why can I not remember the song? my friends are going formation like, formation and they did like covers of that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so then do you have to like, say like in somewhere in your artistry that this was song was originally written by, and it probably wasn't written by Beyonce, but like was written by, you it know, was like performed it's, uh, by Beyonce yeah, or whatever. It's like
1: the published, the publishing is owned by like Beyonce or whatever. Yeah. Okay. So I feel like, yeah, that's it. And also it comes down to a matter of if you're trying to monetize it, So you don't want somebody completely performing your song, monetizing it, and then Mm -hmm. you don't see anything for it. Yeah. Like, for example, it is with uh, our past few episodes with the drop for If You Know, You Know, Mm -hmm. even though it's like three seconds, Mm -hmm. like YouTube still recognizes that this is a song by Pusha T. Mm -hmm. And we get a copyright warning where it's not, we don't get in any trouble, but we get told there could be ads that get run on the video Mm -hmm. and money that could be made off this video will go towards Pusha T. Oh, that's totally fine. Yeah. Because we're not really expecting money anyway. We would like to get money, but we're not expecting any. <laughs> no. <laughs> but yeah, it comes down to this whole complex thing. And I really don't like it, mm-hmm. like the whole copyright thing. Like, I remember Taylor Swift tried to make it so that if anybody used her music on, like, YouTube, like, it would instantly get struck down.
0: I remember this. And this was this also during the time when she took all herself off Spotify and other yeah. streaming websites? Yeah.
1: And she also uh, tried to trademark the term Shake It Off. Ah. Uh. Yeah. You can have it. (laughs) But it's just, like, an interesting thing, like, looking at how copyright and all this different stuff works. And it's complex, doesn't work very well. Like, there's a lot of holes in it. Right. And it's something that I definitely have a problem with a lot of times because, like, I do hip-hop, which hip-hop includes a lot of sampling. And then I also do YouTube, which you use background music. And I'll have a lot of videos that just get flagged for the copyright warning. Be like, hey, this belongs to someone else. You might get ads, run on your video. Mm-hmm. And the uh, money made from it will go to this other person. It's just like, well, what about what I do? Because <laughs> this is music in the background. Their music is mm-hmm. just a like a setting. It's not mm-hmm. the actual content. Whereas if somebody were to make like a whole compilation of Carmelo Anthony highlights to uh, Murdered Excellence by Jay-Z and Kanye... That would be another thing. (laughs) I'm saying that because I've actually seen
0: it. Oh, okay. I gotcha.
1: Yeah. It's like if you're trying to just take what someone else did and then say it's your own and then make money off of it, that's of course a problem. Right. But if you're taking something and you're using it in a different way Mm -hmm. and then you're also giving credit to that person, Mm -hmm. I feel like it shouldn't be as big a problem. And if there is monetization done on it, like having an open discussion about who – like gets how much of what mm. mm-hmm. so there's definitely a lot of things to be done worked on with copyright but the dancing thing is something that's rather new because people apparently never really thought about dancing being something copyrighted yeah like when you look at the this is america music video by childish gambino like song of the year yeah like, record of the year you have like all <laughs> these different dance moves and mm-hmm. they're very notable dance moves mm-hmm But like it's not something that could be copyrighted because they're considered free reign because they're just done like one at a time. They're not doing done in like a sequence that someone else has done.
0: Right. So then would the um, Kiki Do You Love Me, you know, I mean, like that song, would that be something that's copyrighted or could be copyrighted because it has a specific you do the heart and
1: then right possibly mm-hmm. i think there has to be like up to four different moves done in a row before it can get considered that's so it's it's really complex yeah i'm trying i'm going through the moves here. love me do you ride and you swipe yeah that's that's four the yeah if I'm, you count
0: the left and white stripe as different ones
1: i don't know like <laughs> okay. like it's definitely something that should be looked at a bit more and is rather mm-hmm. interesting to look at and fortnite is probably going to get away with it in every single case, because this is the reason why they're being sued for it. Like, the emotes are things that you actually buy with right, money. Right, right. So, when you have things like the Carlton dance, because the only way to get that, I believe, was you paying money for it.
0: I like, $10.
1: And Epic Games has made billions <laughs> off of Fortnite for these dances. It's a free game, and they're making It's a free billions. game, and they're making billions <laughs> because they sell stuff for people to add on to their characters. Yeah. So it just becomes this whole matter of, like, people that the dances are being based off of are looking at, like, hey, that's mine. Right. How come I'm not getting paid (laughs) for this? I feel like 2Milli is, like, one of the exceptions, though, where he's just like, hey, like, that's my dance. Can you just let people know it's my dance? Mm -hmm. Like, this is black culture. Right. We've had our culture stolen. Like, 80% of today's culture is black (laughs) culture that's Mm -hmm. been stolen. Right. So can we, like, please just give me my recognition? Because I Mm. think that's like the whole entire thing. That was Chance's point, too, was just a matter of like just give people their recognition. Like Mm -hmm. it's not so much about the money where money does play a bit into it based on how much you're making and how much the person that created it is not receiving. But the whole thing about it is this is a thing of black culture and it's being stolen yet again. Mm. Like rock is a whole entire genre stolen by white people from black people. Yes. So much. (laughs) So much is stolen. Yes. Um, and speaking of, uh, hmm. stealing, uh, the NFL tried to steal a career <laughs> and from one lost. football player and lost horribly. <laughs> yeah. It was $80 million. It was like, I saw 60 to 80 million. Okay. Um, and I believe Eric Reed was also in the talks with mm-hmm. it too, where it was both of them were in the lawsuit together. Oh, okay. I didn't know about Eric Reed. Yeah. I think that's interesting <laughs> and that it's great because like, this is something that, kaepernick definitely deserved right because yeah he's been exiled from the league for is it three whole seasons now uh, it's like maybe, two or three yeah like. yeah probably is three because trump was president during one of them mm-hmm. um yeah mm-hmm. so it becomes like this whole crazy thing where he was like exiled from the league no mm-hmm. team would sign him mm-hmm. and that's probably how he won the whole entire it was just a matter of him being able to play in the league and him being illegally like barred from playing
0: right exactly because it yeah.
1: wasn't a matter of just like i'm suing because they won't let me kneel it's i'm suing because they won't let me play
0: R- which is again like kind of crazy that they would allow someone to be like black- blacklisted in such a way right mm-hmm. uh that's just and it's, and it's over something that like it wasn't like they said that like they you know our ratings were going down or whatever same reason like papa john's is like oh man like we're losing pizza because
1: our CEO is saying racist things. Right.
0: Well, the CEO was saying well, that they that, were,
1: that was as a result of like, we're losing it because people aren't buying pizza for their games or whatever. Exactly.
0: Cause no one's watching football because of Colin Kaepernick. And it's like, you're going, you're reaching pretty far for this. You just,
1: yeah. you just don't have great. It's pizza. like, I never watch football and I get make or get pizza all the time. Like, so, like <laughs> football has nothing to do with my pizza consumption.
0: <laughs> right. But you want to say this because you're feeling bad about your sales and you need something to tell your investors.
1: Oh, this is why we're losing. Let's kick this
0: guy out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Papa Downs get kicked out of a, his own game
1: which respects <laughs> <laughs> it was funny like finding out about that too where it was mm-hmm. like they try to do like this whole conference call of like sensitivity training mm-hmm. and the people that were training him that were like professionals to train him were just like we can't help this man get
0: rid <laughs> of him <laughs> trust us let, let, me, let me tell you I've seen some things that can be helped it, this is not, not what I right? <laughs> Um, But yeah, and then there's even that store that closed down. Um, Was it sports? Sports store is called uh, Primetime Sports. Mm -hmm. um, That closed down. It was in Colorado Springs because they refused to sell Nike stores. Because because of the whole Kaepernick ad with Nike. Right, exactly. And he like went through, like put up all these posters about like, you know, pictures of veterans and we stand for the flag and this, that and the third. Um, And when he was asked about it, he was saying it's really funny. He goes, you, you know, selling, being a sports store and not selling Nike is like being a milk store and not selling milk. You know, like remember milk stores? <laughs> Just, I personally don't have a recollection of it. I, I know of going to the store for milk, but not milk stores. But that was, that was Steve Martin. Uh, that was his idea of what it meant. <laughs> But, so besides these milk stores that Steve has been going to, um, I thought it was also really funny because in the interview, he's wearing a 49ers shirt. Like, (laughs) you have literally access to any sports team on any platform, anywhere, and you decide to wear a 49ers shirt to talk Mm -hmm. about how you're upset at Colin Kaepernick and the NFL and Nike for allowing him to protest.
1: Yeah. Well, I think it's... I feel like people do not know how to boycott. Say that again. Wait, like what, what do you... Like,
0: are you... Go
1: ahead. <laughs> well, like, his whole thing was, I'm not selling any N- Nike anymore. Like, he was boycotting.
0: Oh, okay, okay. But- I bet you meant Colin Kaepernick No, boycotting. no, 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 no. <laughs> so,
1: Colin knows what he's doing. Right. Like, but mm-hmm. for the most part, I see people always trying to boycott, and I just see it failing over and over again because mm-hmm. people don't know how to boycott. Yeah. So this is one example where it's a matter of, you really have to look at it. Like, I always like looking at the Montgomery bus boycotts as mm-hmm. the perfect example of a boycott done right. Mm-hmm. Because you have- A bus company that's being boycotted for racism with black people, like after the whole Rosa Parks thing. The whole Rosa Parks thing, yeah. Keep going. (laughs) (laughs) And then it was, yeah, everybody, all the black people decided we're not going to ride the bus anymore because of all this racist act about it. And the bus company was like, fine, we don't need you. And so then black people found other ways to work by walking, carpooling, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and literally did that. And the bus company after, they did that for like two years and the bus company was like, okay, we've lost millions. Mm-hmm. We have to get these black clients back. We didn't realize how much we were losing. And the whole things that go into that is you have to have this understanding of with the bus company, you have your clientele and people that will support you that don't normally ride you are not going to start riding your bus mm-hmm. just because you align with them. Right. Like if they have their own means of transportation, they're going to keep doing it. So literally the Montgomery bus put, uh company lost a good portion of their customers and had no way to refill it Mm -hmm. so then you have these people that are able to hold out that don't really need that service able to get by without them like Mm -hmm. it would be helpful to have them but they could get by without them but then you have this company that in order to survive they needed that group and that's the understanding that i feel like people don't really get yeah so like this guy thought oh i'm gonna boycott nike And I'm going to come out on top, like sticking it to them. When you realize how many stores sell Nike, (laughs) what Nike's like bottom dollar is and what your store's bottom dollar is. Like you're like when somebody pulls their wallet out of their pocket and a nickel falls on the floor and they don't pick it up. (laughs) That was your store to Nike. Honestly. Whereas you disregarding Nike, you basically just slashed your sales in half and and said, I'm going to try and work without this, but Mm -hmm. your store cannot work without it.
0: Exactly. And then not only that, but you then lost, you didn't just lose jobs for yourself because he was like a year away from retirement. He also lost jobs for everyone that worked for him. Like Mm -hmm. all the people that were working in like cashiers and, you know, distributors and whatever, like lost them jobs because of his own stance.
1: Yeah. Sounds pretty Trumpian. Just Mm -hmm. saying. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty egotistical. Right. But yeah, then it also comes down to like just a few other examples of boycotts, like the Starbucks boycott. They're always gonna have people that are gonna be like, "Well, I support Starbucks in retaliation because that's something that people go out of their way of to get all the yeah. time." Yeah, oh, like yeah. if they lose like a certain clientele, and other people are like, "Well, I want to support them," they're gonna go do that. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, and, and that's one of those like, and these are companies just like with Nike that was able to people, although there were a lot of people that were burning their Nikes or whatever, you mm. know, saying these are the worst thing ever. I'm cutting the. Sw- swipes what was it, the swooshes the swooshes <laughs> off of my reverse. socks <laughs> uh there are other people that are like well now i'm gonna buy more nike
1: yeah like the people that are gonna say that they're gonna buy more nike mm-hmm. was their main clientele the people that were like cutting and burning mm-hmm. that was not their main clientele the things that they were damaging were more the cheaper stuff they'd already bought it mm-hmm. losing them wasn't going to be much of anything
0: no not at all <laughs> yeah
1: so that boycott was a failure uh, I remember the whole Chick-fil-A boycott that went on before. Mm-hmm. And then it was like they had this day where people were like, we're just going to go through the drive through and order a cup of water because that's free and it's going to hurt the bottom dollar because they're just going to be giving out all these cups uh, of water. No, I didn't know that. But then everybody else like, that supported Chick-fil-A was like, oh, look, they're doing that. Let's go buy Chick-fil-A. And it ended up being their best sales day ever. <laughs> <laughs> like you have to understand <laughs> – like the people that may support them, uh-huh. you have to make sure that they're not going to be able to help them get out of their situation. Right. So that's what I mean when I say people do not know how to boycott.
0: Mm. And so, so I guess like you have to have a, a good enough base in order to take away from someone's, mm-hmm. like you said, like bottom dollar or their profits. Yeah. Um, without having that, like Newton's law, like every action has an equal to opposite reaction. Of the other people on the other side that are going to support them even more. Like, your side has to be more than the people that are going to support them less. Yeah. Your, your side of supporting them less has to be more than people that are going to support them more. Yeah. Does that makes sense?
1: And then there's also always going to be anomalies. Like, with the NFL, where you had mm-hmm. black people, who was like, because how you're treating Colin Kaepernick, we're boycotting. And then you had all the racist white people who was like, they won't kneel for the flag. We're mm-hmm. boycotting. And, like, it was like one of those strange anomalies where you had two different groups that were saying they were going to boycott. Right. And it did hurt the NFL, like... They still had plenty of viewership, but it did mm-hmm. hurt the NFL. But it was there were two separate groups that were basically against each other, both boycotting the same business. Yeah. So that's definitely one of those anomalies where, like, the NFL probably could have done, done fine if they aligned with just one group. That's true. But because they were so indecisive about it, both groups were like, nah, you're not <laughs> getting our dollar, and it actually hurt them. Yeah. That was the, probably, like, one of the few times where someone will boycott, and they don't have much of a great way to do it where it still works out.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, what what I think it really comes down to is that, like, people enjoy people that, like, take a stance. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Even in the way that many people, like, on like my personal beliefs of hating Donald Trump and, like, all of his policies and things like that, like, he is still able to, like, galvanize people in a way that, like, oh, I'm taking a stance. This is what I believe in. Mm-hmm. And there's something that's, like, I don't know, drawing, like, people are, people are drawn to that, yeah. right? In the same way that I think that, like, when you have someone that's so moderate or so centrist, um, that's just kind of like, I agree with everyone. Everyone's right.
1: You or know? I don't really agree with anybody. Or like, right. Everybody's wrong.
0: Exactly. Like, those people are not going to get as many votes as people that are very hard-lined and understanding. That's why I think that's, there's some more... That's why Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is someone that people are really drawn to because it's like no, like this is who I am. I'm a democratic socialist and I believe in Medicare for all and the green new deal and sustainable energy. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not someone that's like going to try to do some Medicare for some people. And then like Democrats will come to the table already compromised halfway meeting with Republicans and Republicans will be all the way to the far right. And then the Democrats will then just move their position further right Mm -hmm. as opposed to coming into the position totally to the left and then compromising to somewhere in the middle.
1: Yeah. You know, you need people that are the extremes. You need people that are the centrists. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like president-wise, you need somebody that's more central, mm-hmm. but not because it's a matter of I agree with everybody or I don't agree with anybody, but more of a matter of I see both sides. Mm-hmm. So, that like, that's... You definitely need a good amount of those people, but then you also need the people that can speak to them and be like give a good argument. Like really give some people something to think about.
0: Right. And I mean that's that's a part of arguing, right? When you do, let's say I don't know, a competition for like mock trial or something like that, like you are you have to argue both sides in mm-hmm. order to know what the person's gonna argue against you. You yeah. know, like if you're doing a trial and it's, you know, one person murdered another person, and you have to figure out who did it, like being able to argue both sides and understand the complexities of both sides is gonna be much better for you in the long run and much better for your case personally, whichever side you you end up arguing, mm-hmm. because you're able to understand what the other person's thinking. But believing that, like, both people can be right, you know, that doesn't help anyone.
1: Yeah, when you have, like, a really good lawyer that mm-hmm. you're, like, paying, it's not just a public defender that's just going to, like, pass you through. Right. Like, they will literally ask you about everything to try mm-hmm. and get every bit of information. And the only time they will not ask you any type of information is if it's something that you really, really should keep quiet that they should not even know because if they're on record knowing it, Mm -hmm. it can be troublesome. But they're always gonna try and figure out what can be held against you. They will ask every single question. Yeah. And then when it comes down to if it's something really bad, that's when they'll be like, stop, Mm -hmm. don't let me know. Because if I know, that's a problem.
0: Right. And then I'll have to like report it
1: um in order to be an ethical lawyer. Mm. Big ups to Kaepernick for winning that case. (laughs) Matter of fact, like I'd always been wondering about getting, like, his stuff that was supposed to come out with Nike and everything. Mm -hmm. So I, like, finally looked into it. Like, I saw Tyler Perry had posted that he got a Kaepernick teamless jersey. Mm. And I was just kind of like, that's dope. I want to get something like that. And then I, like, looked into it and it was, that was something that was on his website personally. And they apparently sold out in four hours. Oh, my God. And the shipments for, like, the rest of them aren't going to be coming out until, like, October 4th. (laughs) Wow. And then I like looked at Nike to see any stuff they had. Mm -hmm. They're completely sold out of their Kaepernick stuff. Wow. So obviously them like being like, yeah, we support Kaepernick was Mm -hmm. great for their bottom dollar because people are like, oh, yeah, we want Kaepernick stuff. (laughs) We want it right now.
0: Man, that's cool. It's, it's like it's like a status symbol too. Like I've seen people like wearing like Kaepernick jerseys. You're just kind of like word. Mm. Like you're saying something when you wear a Kaepernick jersey. You yeah, know I mean? you're not saying I support the Forty ers or whatever. You're saying like I support this person.
1: Yeah, like when Jay Z last performed on SNL, mm-hmm. he report he performed a song. I think it was Bam, and it was he was wearing a like teamless Kaepernick jersey. Mm-hmm. Like, and this was like before the NFL asked him to even mm-hmm. do the halftime show, and before he said no. Right. Exactly. So you got to love that solidarity. Mm
0: -hmm. Ooh, I wonder, what do you think about like, sorry, going back into boycotts, about like Childish Gambino boycotting the Grammys and then winning all four Grammys for all the four things This Is America was nominated for?
1: I think it's hilarious. (laughs) Like it's nothing against him. I just think in general, it's hilarious. Just I'm boycotting. You want everything. Cool. Still boycotting. (laughs) But boycotting and the Grammys have been a big thing amongst uh, people in hip hop culture and black culture yeah. for a while yeah like it was I, back in like 88 or 89 or something where it was mm-hmm. there was this major boycott by black artists yeah I think I do remember that
0: that was oh that was with, um, like, with like Will Flavor Smith was it? yeah exactly Will Smith uh, a bunch of people that were boycotting like they all boycotted the, the Grammys mm-hmm. for not recognizing black culture um, yeah
1: Jay-Z boycotted it for a while too I think Kanye boycotted it for a while even mm-hmm. after he had gotten 21 Grammys <laughs> Before he had the Superstar family. Right. <laughs> um, well, cool. I was just wondering about that. Yeah, uh, I, I think it's it's pretty dope. And I also did notice that uh, only one person, uh, Charles Gambino's producer, was the only person that gave a shout-out to 21 Savage uh, during his time being detained by ICE. Mm. Whereas, like, it, it was apparently, like, Post Malone performed a song that 21 Savage was on, and 21 Savage's part played... And Post Malone said nothing about Twenty One Savage.
0: <laughs> Freaking Post
1: Malone. Yeah. So I heard people get like really mad about. It. I was like, he's on your song. He's detained by Ice, and you can't give him a shout out about like Free Twenty One or anything like that. <laughs> God. Yeah, it's, well, it's he's tr- trash anyways. Yeah, I never bothered listening to him. Not even White Iverson. I didn't really care. Yeah. <laughs> huh.
0: Um. All
3: right. All right. So it's time
1: for if you know, you know. Yes. You know. It is now time for If
3: You Know, You Know.
1: I tried to say I was close to push a T, and I'm still going to cut it out. Not very good. So, yeah, when I was looking at the past two people I've done for If You Know, You Know, you see that they have, like, this big climax moment, like, in their lives that go towards the civil rights movement. Like, Fannie Lou Hamer had the... Uh, speech that she gave at the 1964 national democratic convention Mm -hmm. or democratic national convention i said those words wrong and uh bobby seal had his whole being bound and gagged in court and i started to think should the next person i do really be the next person i do because they didn't have like this entire huge moment that's like notable for people like that Mm -hmm. But there was like an, it was definitely an overview of her life because that's definitely something that's big during the time that all these people were alive. But then I thought, that's not nece- just having one big black struggle is not what black history is about. Like when you look at George Washington Carver, we know him as the person that created all these different uses with the peanuts. So right. it doesn't have to be like this whole matter of, Look at this black struggle. This is black history. Black mm. history is just what black people have contributed and what black people have done. Mm-hmm. So then I felt very justified in my choice of who I was <laughs> doing for this week's If You Know You Know. And that person is the one and only, the most influential, Nina Simone.
4: Oh, wanting to be free. I just wanted you to know. Oh, oh. Capone, I be Nina, Simone Nina
0: Simone, Dr. Simone.
1: Nina Simone was born Eunice Kathleen Wayman on February 21, 1933, in Tryon, North Carolina. She was born to Mary Kate Wayman, a Methodist minister, and Reverend John Devon Wayman, and was the sixth of eight children. Nina began to play the piano by ear at the age of three, and had her first performance, which was a classical recital, at the age of 12.
3: I gave a concert, uh, a recital, at age 12, and they wanted to put my mom and daddy on the back row in the concert, uh, in the little recital hall. And I remember standing up quite bravely and said, oh no, my mom and dad will sit on the front row.
1: Nina's music teacher established a special fund to pay for her education, which was followed by a local fund that was set up to assist her continued education. Using that money, she was able to attend Asheville, North Carolina's Allen High School, which was an all-girls school. After she graduated, she spent the summer of 1950 as a student of Carl Friedberg during his time teaching at the Juilliard School. During this time, she prepared for an audition for the Curtis Institute of Music in Philadelphia. Her family moved to Philadelphia to support her, with the expectation of her being accepted into the school. She was denied.
3: I went to, to Curtis, and I I, I I passed the test, and I knew it was good. I, I was, at that time, kind of humble. Not too much these days. But, um, And I didn't understand it. I was playing uh, Charney and Liszt and Rachmaninoff and Bach, and I knew it was good. And uh but I and we made records of it, but I, I didn't understand why I didn't get that scholarship for for for, for 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 anything. And um there were people around me who knew about my talent as well and they said, Nina, it's because you are black. And I I that shocked me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't take the time to let it sink in. I said, Well, I just go where I can make some money to help my parents who had moved from North Carolina to Philadelphia at that time, to be with me as I studied.
1: Even after being rejected by the Curtis Institute, Nina took private piano lessons with a professor at Curtis named Vladimir Solokov. She never reapplied for Curtis. To fund her private lessons and help support her family that moved with her, Nina took jobs as a photographer's assistant, a piano accompanist at Arlene Smith's vocal studio, and taught piano from her home. Her most notable job came in the form as a lounge pianist in Atlantic City named Midtown Bar and Grill. The owner of the bar insisted she sing while she played, and would increase her pay to do so. In 1954, she decided to create her stage name to hide the fact that she was playing, the Devil's Music, as her mother referred to it, at a bar. Nina came from a nickname she was given by a boyfriend, and Simone came from a French actress named Simone Signoret. In 1958, she recorded her first and only Billboard Top 20 in the U.S., which was a cover of George Gershwin's I Loves You, Porgy. Her debut album, Little Girl Blues, followed soon after under Bethlehem Records. She sold her rights outright for the album for $3,000, losing more than $1 million total in royalties. After the success of her first album, Nina signed a contract with Cole Pick's Records who gave her total creative control on all of her work as part of the contract deal. She recorded many studio and live albums within this deal. Nina was rather indifferent about her recording contract, and held that attitude towards the recording industry for a majority of her career. In 1964, Nina changed record distribution from Colpix, which was an American company, to Philips Records, which was a Dutch company. On her first album with the new company, she began to address racial inequality in the United States for the first time in her recording career with the song Mississippi Goddamn. The song was in response to the 1963 events of the murder of Megar Evers and the Birmingham church bombing that killed four young black girls.
4: Oh, but this whole country is full of lies. You all gonna die.
1: The song was boycotted in some southern states, with a radio station in one of the Carolinas being said to have smashed the promotional copies of the record before sending it back to Phillips Records. The song was Nina's first civil rights song, which she described to be like throwing ten bullets back at them, and later recalled it having come to her in a rush of fury, hatred, and determination. Later in her career, Nina stated that the song did in fact harm her career. The music industry punished her by boycotting her records as a result of the song.
4: An artist's duty, as far as I'm concerned, is to reflect the times. I think that is true of, of, of painters, sculptors, poets, musicians. I, it's, as far as I'm concerned, it's their choice. But I choose to reflect The times and the situations in which I find myself, that to me is my duty. and, And at this crucial time in our lives, when everything is so desperate, when every day is a matter of survival, I don't think you can help but be involved. Young people, black and white, know this. That's why they're so involved in politics. We will shape and mold this country or it will not be molded and shaped at all anymore. So I don't think you have a choice. How can you be an artist and not reflect the times?
1: After Mississippi Goddamn, Nina began to include more civil rights messages in her albums and concerts. On the same album as Mississippi Goddamn, Nina had a song called Old Jim Crow, which addressed the United States' Jim Crow laws. Those songs were eventually followed by other powerful songs, such as For Women, which exposed the Eurocentric beauty standards imposed on America's black women, and her own rendition of Strange Fruit, a song about the lynching of black people which was originally performed by one of Nina's own influences, Billie Holiday.
4: Southern trees Barren, strange fruit Blood on the leaves And blood at the roots Black bodies swinging in the southern breeze. Strange fruit hanging from the poplar trees.
1: Nina became a performer and speaker at civil rights meetings. She supported black nationalism and like her neighbor in Mount Vernon New York Malcolm X was a supporter of violent revolution rather than King's nonviolent approach she wished african americans could use armed combat to form a separate state but wrote in her autobiography that she regarded all races as equal
4: to me we are the most beautiful creatures in the whole world black people i mean and i mean that in every every sense uh, outside and inside. And to me, we have a culture that uh, is surpassed by, 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 by no other civilization, but we don't know anything about it. So again, I think I've said this before in the same interview. I think uh, at some time before, my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there, and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary.
1: In 1970, Nina left the United States for Barbados, expecting her then-husband and manager, Andrew Strout, to communicate with her when it was time for her to return and perform again. Stroud took Nina's sudden disappearance, and her wedding ring that she left behind, as wanting a divorce. When Nina did return to the United States, she learned that she had a warrant for her arrest for unpaid taxes. She refused to pay the taxes as a protest of the U.S.'s involvement in the Vietnam War. She returned to Barbados to evade authorities. In the 1980s, Nina was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. She was well known for her temper and outbursts. Some examples of her outbursts include firing a gun at a record company executive that she accused of stealing royalties, shooting and wounding her neighbor's son with an air gun after his laughter disrupted her concentration, pointing a gun at a shoe store cashier to force them to take back a pair of sandals she had worn, and ripping a payphone out of the wall when refused a royalty payment for helping another artist with a song. Supposedly, She had been on medication for a condition since the mid-1960s, with only those close to her knowing about it. In 1993, Nina moved to southern France where she spent the rest of her years. She suffered from breast cancer for many years. Nina passed away in her sleep on April 1, 2003, at the age of 70. She was cremated and had her ashes scattered across several African countries. Two days before her death, Nina learned she was to be awarded an honorary degree by the Curtis Institute of Music that had originally refused her. Nina had four Grammy Award nominations, with two during her lifetime. In the two instances, Nina lost to Aretha Franklin. Nina's third nomination, after her death, came from Aretha Franklin doing a cover of Nina's own, Young, Gifted, and Black, and resulted in a win. Her fourth nomination came from the Best Rap Song category in 2018. She was listed as a writer on Jay-Z's The Story of O.J. for sample use of Nina's song, *For Women. In 2018, Nina Simone was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, with Mary J. Blige giving the induction speech, and Lauryn Hill and Audra Day singing tribute, backed by The Roots. Nina Simone's influence set a tone musically for the civil rights movement and extended still into the present day. From the artists inspired by her, to the artists that have covered her, to the hip-hop producers who have sampled her work, as well as movie soundtracks, Nina Simone's influence has not faded, not even after her death.
4: When I die, my people, when I go, you see, I'm gonna know that I left something for them to build on. that is my reward. You got yours, your money, your parents, and your easy living. My folks got nothing and they need inspiration 24 hours a day. That's why I'm here.
1: So yeah, that's... or If You Know You Know about Nina Simone.
0: Wow. Thank you, Nina
1: Simone. Yeah, and I really love that outro there it was her performing for i believe it was morehouse college Mm -hmm. she went there and gave like this little performance and that was a speech that she gave and it was the perfect way to end off that segment
0: yeah wow she's so powerful that strange fruit always gets me
1: oh especially uh did you go see the the birth of a nation nat turner story movie Mm -hmm. in theaters yeah like that one scene after the rebellion fails and then the song plays and you actually see black bodies hanging from trees yeah like i can't listen to that song without thinking of that scene because it's the accurate representation of that song exactly man Mm -hmm. what an artist yeah she was a she's recognized as someone that's been able to know how to really interpret other people's music very well that's how she was able to take strange fruit and make it such a powerful thing. That's how she was able to take all these different songs and make them so powerful was people say that her interpretation of songs like being able to fill it with that emotion was amazing.
0: I think it's so amazing. And I think that a lot of black artists will bring that to the music that they do, right. Oh yeah, definitely soul. And that, that thing that you can't, can't teach someone to like experience pain in such a way that it it comes out in your music in a palpable Mm. type of form. And is,
1: she's like a major inspiration for so many artists too. And a matter of fact, like Kanye has sampled her probably on every single one of his own projects. Sampled no. her on uh, multiple other projects. Mm-hmm. Like one notable one that I thought about throwing in the intro was Talib Kweli's "Get By," because that was sampling right. her yet again. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she was sampled like three times just for Jay Z's "4:44."
0: Man, she's so cool.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. There you go. This has been the Fairpoint Podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, like say you like the episode, give us some feedback, give us some topics you want us to talk about, you can reach us at our Instagram, The Fairpoint Podcast. You can reach that Twitter at The Fairpoint Pod. And you can email us at TheFairpointPodcast at gmail.com. And you can find us and subscribe to us on all of our different platforms of Spotify, Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, YouTube. And our host site, Castos. Thanks so much for listening. Till next time.
0: I know, but seriously, like, subscribe. We have, like, five subscribers and, like, over 200 listeners a week. Subscribe.
1: Yeah. Like, (laughs) listen. Like, you'll you'll make sure that it falls into your drop boxes every single time that we come out with a new episode. So, do it. It helps you. Do it. Just do it. Back to Colin Kaepernick. Just do it. (laughs) Goodbye.